Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. Are you interested in spirit channeling? Are you drawn to it? Curious about it? Perhaps you are a channel yourself. Amongst many fascinating topics in this quantum spiritual space, one that is especially close to my heart is channeling. If you are old enough, you might remember the book Out on a Limb by Shirley MacLaine, written some 35 years ago and the subsequent movie based on that book. It was hugely controversial at the time, drawing gasps of thrill, anxiety and disbelief, and soon became a bestseller and a classic New Age reading not to be missed. It was the first important milestone in lifting the veil of the paranormal in the modern era, with the second one, some twenty years later, being, of course, The Secret, published in 2006. So, what is spirit channeling? To talk about this and many other fascinating topics, I have invited someone to my show today who has first-hand experience in channeling. My special guest today is Kristen Birgbacke. Kristen is a spiritual medium, Reiki master teacher, past life therapist, author and soul coach living in Denmark near Copenhagen. Kristen is the Usher Channeler, receiving messages from Ascended Masters. She published her first book, Channeled Messages of Love and Light, in 2020, and is co-authoring another book, Life Reimagined, to be published in November 2021. From 2013 to 2018, Kristen was chair of the Danish Healers Association, dedicated to making Reiki healing a part of the national health system. Kristen offers soul coaching, Reiki sessions, and runs retreats in Europe. Her main focus is being an usher channeler for a team of ascended masters she is working closely with. And now she joins me from Denmark. Hello, Kristen. Welcome to Quantum Living. It's great to have you here with us. How are you? Hello, Anna, and thank you for having me. I am great, and it's such an honor to be present here on your podcast today. So. Lovely. Thank you so much. Let's dive right into it. Could you please tell us or share with us your personal journey? How did you end up on this path? Yes, and thank you for asking me for, for sharing my personal journey. Um, I was thinking about this beforehand and trying not <laughs> trying to make it short. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and as I always say, you know, for someone making a living on the spiritual path, there is always the mandatory life crisis somewhere 
along that road. Mm. And yeah. um, and I probably had a couple of them moving me forward each step, um, been initiated mm-hmm. by something major happening in my personal life. Um, as a as a child, I can see now that I was highly sensitive, but I managed to shut it off. Um, as one do. <laughs> yes. And so so as a as a grown-up, uh, it was not until I was 40, about 40 years old. I had uh had I had my I had twins, uh, which I gave birth to when I was 38, so it's rather late. Um, and when they were about a year old. Uh, their father became uh, mentally ill. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the first push. So up till then, I had managed to shut off all my sensitivity, more or less, and, and not really that, that sensey feeling emotional thing. I was like, nah, let's not go there. You know, it's too complicated. But in order to survive as a, as a mom and as a wife and to keep my family alive, more or less, I had to start looking for other ways to manage myself which I did. And that was my first step into uh, spirituality where I had a coach that introduced me to the Andean tradition from Peru about how to connect with mother nature, Pachamama, father, father sky. And by that balancing yourself and, and um, being in contact with all your positive skills. So that was step one. And then during that um, personal work while I was still working as a, a, a museum designer. Um, I've been designing museum exhibitions for, for over 10 years, National Museum of Denmark, which I loved. It was my dream, dream job, dream education, you know, dream training, dream job. Mm-hmm. And, and during that, then I started working more and more on the spiritual, uh, spiritual path by doing just for the personal stuff, you know, just why not? It's just a weekend class. I'll just do this. I'll just ask. And along that road, uh, I met Reiki. Um, which was just like a coincidence. Somebody mentioned Reiki to me and I was like, oh, what is that? That is weird. How can you heal yourself? Because that was the part, Reiki has this self-healing practice. And I was like, how can you heal yourself? So I better take that class just to try it out. It's just a weekend. And uh, and that was one of the big steps for me um, because introducing or integrating Reiki into my personal life really made a big difference. and fast forward, uh, five years later, I was a Reiki master teacher mm-hmm. and uh, a little forward as well. One more time, I had um, the second major life crisis, <laughs> crisis wow. where I suddenly I had I had a surprise divorce. I hadn't seen coming, not from my my children's father. We had split up years before, but uh, a relationship that was almost 10 years long and that kicked me completely out of my comfort zone and made me go like, how will I survive this? How am I going to support myself and my children? Can I make a living on, on my, in this line of work? And what do I do? And um, I was at the bottom. I was devastated. I was crying for weeks, you know, and, and in that process, I, started asking spirit for help. (laughs) And I had, at that time I had clients, I was a Reiki master teacher. I had students, I would coach people. Um, And suddenly I started using all those tools on myself, on my own behalf. And Mm -hmm. I, I connected uh, to spirit and I said, and it was like, come on guys, 
this is it. Now you have to show me what, what's the, what is this talk all about? Mm-hmm. And they, and they replied um, and I started listening. <laughs> so there's three steps there. One, ask for help Two, get, get the reply and then do what they tell you to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when I started doing what they told me to do, my life completely um, turned around. Um, I got in touch with a spiritual coach. By miracle, I had the money to pay for a private program with her. Mm -hmm. And during that work, uh, I discovered that I have this channel, uh, the ability to channel from the the higher masters. Mm -hmm. Um, And then suddenly I had had channeled a book, right? Out of the, and when I say suddenly I turned the book, it was like because I had never I had never seen it coming, <laughs> and I clearly remember mm-hmm. a friend of mine some a while before this t- telling me about someone she met who had channeled a book, and I was like no way, and then uh, I found myself doing it, and mm. and then we're and then we're here today, uh, two years later, so the the channeling, the ability to channel, which is what I do mainly now was developed after the, the this major life crisis where I gave up completely. I, I let go of all blockages and all limitations. And I put myself forward in trust and said, okay, I will do whatever spirit tells me to do. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Now, we'll talk obviously more, much more about your book and about your channeling. But what I am interested in at this point is you are a spiritual medium, soul coach, and Reiki master teacher. You also offer past life regression therapy and chakra balancing and obviously Reiki sessions and soul retreats. My question is how all these services and all those offerings come together uh, and which one is your core service, which I think now I know the answer to because you you have just, just mentioned that. But what I would like to hear is what is at the heart of your work and service to others and whether you somehow blend and combine those services or are they completely separate? Ah, that's a very good question, Anna. Um, it it is all combined, and it probably was even from the beginning before I knew that I was actively channeling as well. I've always had a very uh, highly developed intuition, sense of intuition, um, which I have used with with work with my clients. And now I can see that what was actually happening was that I was listening to what was being told to me by my spirit team. So since these different parts of my work has been added on one by one, as I became wiser <laughs> and, and more enlightened somehow, it's a big word to mm-hmm. use about yourself, right? <laughs> um, I would say that there is a core field of my work which is teaching okay teaching 
students and clients on how to stay centered in their light, in their heart, and how they can do this depends on the student and the client, right? For some, a Reiki class is perfect. For others, personal programs for, for three months where, where they get all, you know, tools and coaching and channeling is perfect. Some people just need the right word at the right moment. Others, you know, need more guidance. So, so the teaching would be the core. Um, and then, um, then it is about showing the individual what an amazing being we, we that the client is that the individual is that we that we are created of light that we do carry the light within us and when we allow our light to shine bright all, all will come to you lovely and i imagine that the common denominator of all those offerings that you have is your connection with the spirit is your ability to receive information from the spirit whether it's in your uh, reiki class or like uh, reiki session or whether it's in your coaching session so in other words everything that you do is intuitive meaning your knowledge doesn't only come from your training and your experience but it also comes from the insight and information from the spirit. Am I right? Yes, you could say that. But, it's, it, but it is important for me. You, you mentioned training as well. It is important for me to say, because in, in this world, in this spiritual world, new age, whatever, there are a lot of people who think you can just, oh, I know everything myself. I don't have to learn anything. I'm just intuitive, whatever. And that I am not a fan of that way of thinking. I am a fan of find somebody that can teach you what you need to know and then use your intuition. <laughs> uh, so, so I have a lot of training. Uh, I have perhaps seven, 800 hours of training in my different fields of work. Becoming a Reiki master, I have a very long training. and I, I did not take it online for two weeks or a weekend class. I have been mm -hmm. in training for years uh, <laughs> as a master. Um, so, and But then when I have the training, yes, then I use my intuition to get that special extra knowledge and access to the wisdom that will move it to a higher level. For, for instance, uh, chakras. Um, when I started training uh, for, for a Reiki master, uh, my teacher would also teach us how you could use your Reiki hands for chakra balancing. This is not traditional Reiki, but it's, it's a way you can use your Reiki hands and it's wonderful. And I quickly found out that somehow I, there was something, I knew something extra. I, I mean, I understood and a deeper level of the chakras than my the rest of the students. And, and I was like, is it just me being weird? What is going on here? You know? And then I found out, oh no, I can actually see the chakras when I focus on them, when I'm working with a client. So if I can see them, that must mean I why I keep asking myself questions. Why can I why do I have the ability to see the chakras? Oh, that must mean that I have the ability to work with them deeper. And then I would go into that field and use my intuition and, and common sense, right? Um, yes. So, and I can see that I have access to, well, 
Let me rephrase that. Perhaps it's not having access to more knowledge, but I have an ability to combine the knowledge and the wisdom and the intuition to a level where I just know more than the average of my mm-hmm. colleagues, if, if this makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, mm. yes. Yes, yes. And, absolutely. and with, the, with the past life therapy sessions, um, I quickly discovered as well that for some reason I, I would get, I would, I would just get more information from what the client was working on, on how to guide the client to the next step in the session. And sometimes I would ask my colleagues, especially in the beginning, you know, you're fresh out of your training and you're starting on on clients and you ask your your colleague, what do you do when this happened? And they would look at me and they would go like, but this never happens to me. And so, so I found out very fast that I had, that I would attract clients that needed something that my colleagues couldn't give them. And then I was like, oh, okay, so that must mean that I can give it to them. So, you know, it's kind of like, for me, a lot of it has been like, oh, yes, oh, this is interesting. Well, if they're coming to me for this, it must mean that I have, you know, access to the wisdom they're they're looking for. So I will provide whatever. Yes. Yes. Speaking of your past life regression therapy, I've got another question. When we spoke about this before this recording, you mentioned that you do past life regressions in an unconventional way. In other words, it's not done with uh, hypnosis or under hypnosis or not even in theta, which is what I use in my work, but with Reiki. I've never heard of past life regression with done with Reiki. Could you talk to this, please? Yes. Yes, uh, I'd be happy to. It is, um, it is, it is unique. Uh, it was... I, it was taught to me by my master, who for 25 years has been the only one teaching this in my home country, which is Denmark, Europe. Um, and, and now she had passed; she has passed on the uh, this the responsibility for this training to me. So I, at the moment, I am the only one teaching this. And I can assure my, <laughs> the listeners, if anyone is interested, I am planning on doing this in English somewhere in Europe. <laughs> so <laughs> good. <laughs> yes, so far so good, but. Um, when we, since I'm not trained in hypnosis, I am not able to tell the exact difference, but I can tell you how it works with Reiki. Okay. So, and and (laughs) to the listeners, don't do this at home unless you're trained, (laughs) but uh, by placing your Reiki hands, this is just a little part of how you do it. I continuously throughout the session with the client, the client will be lying down on a Reiki table with a blanket and a soft cushion, you know, all comfortable, closed eyes. I will be standing and sitting next to the client and I will have at least one, most of the times I do two hands on the client, solar plexus, heart, wherever it feels good. By, by By placing my Reiki hand, since I am Reiki initiated, on the, on the client's solar plexus, the client has a continuous flow and connection to spirit and to uh, Reiki, to the universal life force energy. This enables the client to, um, what do you call that, travel into their subconsciousness 
or wherever they go, because we don't really know, right? <laughs> we don't really know where they go. <laughs> because yes, I can take them, as I say, down. I can, I can take them backwards okay. into past life. I can take them into the womb, but I can also take them what I would describe as going upwards to pure soul presence to have talks with the elders or their primary guides or meet their soul group or whatever. Um, it is not just done by the Reiki hand, but the Reiki enables it and makes it, mm-hmm. I would say, more smooth and easy. It's also, of course, you do a lot of that. You, you connect, you work with a team of masters, you work with your personal guides, you work with the client's guides, all at the same time to create this um, space. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual, and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so just to clarify, by uh, placing your Reiki hands on the client's chakra, are you facilitating the altered state of consciousness for the client to be able to access this information? Or do you actually see or sense them as you are connected with the client's energy field? Or is it a combination of both? Uh, Personally, I would do. I would do both of what you described, um, but it's not all of my the students that I train that are able to do both. So the main thing in this is that you're able to to uh, be the facilitator for the client, so that the client accesses this level of whatever consciousness. Yes, uh, and then if you are a trained, a skilled therapist in this line of of past life therapy. And you have a very well uh, developed intuition, then you will also be there with the client. So, I will, me personally, and this is again, you, you know, this, Anna, when all, all things connected to the spiritual skills, not, what, not two persons are the same, right? We will always have our own personal way of working with these things. So, for me, I will be present with the client in whatever situation that we enter. In a, in a past life or in soul, yes. soul existence. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, 
but I cannot see ahead of the client. It would be like I'm standing next to the client. So I can look around, like if the client is frozen in a situation that is something is happening that is uh, terrifying and the client is like, <gasps> I don't know what to, uh, and I'm asking like, so what is happening for you now? Because you can, very, very important, never push the client forward. The client has to take each step on this road in its own in its own speed. And, and you have to ask the client, so what is next? What is happening now? And they go like, <gasps> everything is black or I can't be. They will freeze right? if it's very uh, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I can, I have the ability to kind of look around, okay, what is happening around the client in this specific situation? And then I can ask, like, I would like you to, maybe it's not like this for you, but how does it feel if I suggest that you can enter the door to your right, for instance? And they will go like, oh, yes, there's a door. And then they can go out that door, then they don't get killed, right? So I, I can't make things happen that doesn't exist. But if the situation is needed, I can suggest because I can see what is going on. I cannot see what will happen in the next hour, but I can see that situation. Does this make sense? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But yes, but it's not all you. therapists that thank can do that. No. Um, mm. Yes, this is obviously a higher level of skill that explains. So thank you. Now let's move on to your channeling. Can you tell us what is Asher Channeler to begin with? How do you channel? And also about your channeling event. Is it something that is similar to what Daryl Anka does with channeling Bashar? So I am the Usher Channeler. This is a title given to me by spirit uh, during this initial work uh, before I started writing my book. I was in a, in a channeling session with my coach, asked, do you accept the assignment? And I, and I said, yes. And I didn't really know what I said yes to. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. <laughs> it, it, felt like a good idea. it felt like a good idea, right? <laughs> and then I was told, you have to find a title to call yourself by so that people will recognize you. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And I had no idea. And then the next session, they stepped forward. Um, the master, the ascended master that I was working with for, for almost a year and a half during um, by my coach uh, is Athela. Mm-hmm. Athela is the name. And Athela stepped forward and said, you are the usher channeler. So this is like my title. Um, so what is, what is it? What does it mean? Uh, the usher channeler is a guide. I, an usher is to usher someone in, you know, like uh, I used to explain it in Danish because translating this word into my native language is completely impossible. It does not sound cool at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I would say like, you know, in the old times, in the, in the old movie theaters, there would be a guy with a flashlight. So if you were late for the show, he would, sh- he would use his flashlight and he would show you to his seat, to your seat. Yeah. So you could mm-hmm. see the show you were there for. This is where you're supposed to be to look at this. And, and this is how I somehow try to explain the title. What does it mean? So my job description is to help people find their spot and see what it is they need to see. Okay. And by that, uh, raising their consciousness, by that, providing them with tools and information that will eventually raise their consciousness to a higher frequency so that they are 
uh, better connected to spirit. So that mm. is that is the Usher channeler. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. My channeling events um, started before the pandemic. <laughs> it was a lovely time. We could, we could meet in person. <laughs> uh, Once yes, upon a time. Um, so I would. Uh, I was told it, this is always, as I said earlier on. Um, I do what I'm told by spirit. They say you must do this now. I say okay, I'll do this now. And sometimes it takes me a while before I can get it done. But I will try to. You know, I will take measures to to make it real. So I was told you have to invite people for public channeling events. And we will, you know, and they say, don't, don't bother what's going to, you know, don't think about it. We will tell you what to talk about. Don't bother. So I would invite people um, for live events. It would be, for some reason, the number 16 to 18 uh, participants seemed, that was kind of like what people show up for. So it's nice and, and, it's not too much. Right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there will be, yes, there will be a theme. People will come in. I will make a short introduction. Uh, I will tell about the team of masters that will be present that day, if they have instructed me for that, because it's not always spirit wants me to know in advance. And I will guide uh, the people there uh, into a meditation, which will make them all more, yeah, relaxed and centered and aligned so that they are open to receiving the messages coming through. So we always start out with a guided meditation where I will call forth an archangel uh, to assist in, in you know, being present with, with each participant. And then I slide over to the channeling directly from the meditation. So people will sit there being very aligned and balanced and open. And then the um, the masters will take over, and and I will channel whatever they put in my in my head in my mouth actually. Um, so there will be this. It will be a subject of some kind. Usually, people will be allowed to ask questions, but the, so the, the the master of that day will will tell them, you know, do you have questions? Sometimes they will go like this: Do you have a question? Sometimes it will just be the message. I will when when I feel that the that the master in in um, question that day will withdraw from me or, or leave me again. I will open up and ask people. So how was this for you? Do you have something to share? And then they can ask me questions. And sometimes we will, I will reconnect. The the, the masters, the spirit team will still be there, but they will not. I will not be channeling directly. I will more be in communication with them, like asking my team from the back, and then I will put the <laughs> reply forward. Right? So, so there will be personal, there will be time for personal questions and, and discussions. And that usually is like two hours, two and a half hours all in uh, for an evening of that. Yes. So since and then, then we got hit by that nasty thing and I, and I've been doing it online. Okay. Uh, uh, because pe- people still, people needed it, right? We needed some way to, to connect uh, and see each other and still listen to messages. So I have been doing online events, um, more or less of the same, um, the same plan, uh, same pattern, but not for so long. It would be like perhaps an hour, an hour, 15 minutes, but it was online. Yes.
Is it conscious channel? I, is it conscious channeling? What does that mean? Like if I know everything I, I channel, if I remember yes. it? It is some kind of trans channeling because my voice changes, for instance. Um, and as I have mentioned earlier, I cannot speak louder. Sometimes people would say you're very, because my, my voice lowers. Um, and sometimes people will ask me, can you speak up louder? And I can't, it is not possible. It's like, I have that voice in the channeling moment and, and that's it. I, some, I can hear my own voice, but I can't necessarily make sense of it. It's like, I hear the words being spoken or the words I, and then it's kind of like out of context. Um, so I am, I, when, when the channeling begins, they will make themselves present, the team or the master, um, by, um, well, they, they, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. They make themselves present to me so that I know, okay, we're here. I, I connect in a specific way uh, and say, I'm ready. Or they will tell me sometimes they're a little impatient. So they will go tap, tap, tap on the back of my head, like, <laughs> come on now, <laughs> no, we're ready. You're, you're supposed to do your work now. <laughs> and, and I will say the words that comes to my mouth one by one sometimes. And so I can hear my voice saying these words and I, my mind, my conscious mind can, can go off. Like, what are they talking about? This doesn't make sense. Or I'm trying to make it to, to have it make sense in my mind. And I, and I can't, and I don't and, and I shouldn't, but the minute I just say that one word that is kind of blocked in my mouth, like it's like sitting between my lips, like I go, okay, I think then, okay, I'll say it out loud. And then I say that word and then the flow starts and, and I will just go word by word. So, but, and in the end, I will not know. I can, I cannot tell you a complete transcript of what, what was said mm -hmm. because I can't remember. I will remember some. So it's not a complete trance, but it's yeah, kind of trance. Let's put it like, like that. The voice changes. I, I know that I'm another, I, it's not me talking. I'm somewhere else inside me somehow. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, in a little while, I will ask you to try live channeling for us. <laughs> Uh, so people can can have an experience, and uh, by then I will ask you to move your microphone closer, given that your voice will get softer, uh, so that we can still uh, get get good quality. So that will be in a little while. Okay, thank you for that. I like. I just like to add a little thing to the channeling. Um, mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting somewhere inside myself channeling, listening, I can hear the words, I can, my body will have a different sensation. Um, mm -hmm. And there will be presence around surrounding me. It's as if I'm inside my own energetic field, and I am surrounded or held by some kind of presence that is like supporting me and holding me, right? And this is also how I, okay, and then they let go. So I can feel, ah, okay, now I'm, I'm on my own again. Mm -hmm. What I have been told from, from people sitting in front of me at these sessions is that they, some of them with highly developed uh, clairvoyant skills, they can see when the masters are present because I am surrounded by a very bright light. Mm -hmm. And depending on who's coming through in the channeling, which level are we on? 
um, it can be extremely powerful to be sitting in front of me because they can like, like the energy moves forward. And for instance, there was the the last live one I did. uh, I cannot remember the question because I was in the channeling, but I remember that somebody could actually, this was the first time uh, this master Koidesh appeared. And when he appeared, it was as if the whole room changed, the vibration of the entire room changed. And there was an immense power going woof, forward to the, uh, to the uh, participants sitting there, to the listeners. And it was a very powerful masculine presence going like, I am the king of 12s. And, and people were like, oh, what's going on here? It's very different. So you can really feel the presence, the personality of the masters or entities stepping forward. And I, I love that. I think it's kind of like, oh, who's here today? Also, yeah. So that's- do you know who, who you are channeling? Like, do you know their names or their identities? Uh, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Um, it is as if they don't always want it's like they don't really care if we know who they are as long as we listen but but sometimes they do present themselves out loud uh but i will personally recognize most of them like oh this feels like this or this feels like this like koidesh for instance is, has a very specific uh when when he's present uh, even in my personal uh, daily sessions with koidesh i have a specific sensation around my crown chakra uh, like being uh, being a light <laughs> and moving upwards in a beam, like I mean, and it moves upwards in a in a beam of light, and like oh, this is Koidesh, so I know it immediately. Where others will be present themselves to me in different ways, so I recognize them. But yeah, they don't always tell us who they are because they don't really think it's that important. Mm, mm. Okay. Do you do psychic readings or are you also clairvoyant? And can you get psychic information for your clients or for your audience from a channeling session or they don't? No, they don't really do that. And and it's kind of like they're a bit bored. They're like, oh, really? Is that what is that all you called us down here for? Um, um, I and I, I. I did because since English is not my native language, like my first, I'm I'm Danish, so I did look up the difference, the you know, the translation for this psychic reading compared to what how do I explain it in in my own language? And um, I probably could, but I'm not trained in it, and I have always described myself as not being clairvoyant. <laughs> okay. Um, I when I have clients in private sessions, uh, because I do have these private sessions with direct channeling. And they will sudden they will they will get that channel message, which is for their soul. It's for a soul level. And then they will suddenly ask mm-hmm. a question which is very human. It's like I had this guy recently and he ha- he got all this blah blah blah. How should he live on his life and pursue his life purpose? And then he suddenly asked, So what should I do with my ex-wife? And the whole doof, energy in the room fell down. It's like boom, like clunk. Like you, you landed really heavily on the floor. And and it was like, yeah, sure, we can answer that. But really, is that, you know, don't you have anything better to come with? So, um, no. So I, I don't use my channeling uh, skills for, for that. I would say in the day-to-day work with clients, it's just my intuition that does that kind of work. Yeah.
Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta, the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. And I think that there is a distinction between clairvoyance or psychic readings and intuition and insight, which I sort of combined the two because the difference is perhaps subtle, but there is a difference. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when you so when you receive your insight and intuition, is not necessarily something that you would want to share or pass on to your client as a message for the client. This could be an insight for you about your client. Yes, exactly. Very well described, Anna. <laughs> so this is yes. Yeah, so this is a yeah. difference. And and I mention this because a, a, a lot of people ask me this question too. And I said, well. When I receive insight and, and intuitive information, most of it is for me about the, the person I'm working with to ask them specific question in my coaching session to address particular issues. So it is an insight about the person in front of me or the other side of the Zoom camera <laughs> online as opposed to this is the message for the person. Sometimes, occasionally, I get that, but just like you, I don't. I will never say that I am a you know, psychic or reader or clairvoyant. Okay, so let's now talk about your book. In 2020, you published your first book, in fact, titled "Channeled Messages," and I have read it. It has very uplifting full of light messages, I have to say, very positive, very uplifting. So could you tell us more about it, both in terms of the content or the messages in the book, and also about the process of writing it? How did you channel it? Yes, it was a very intense process and period of time when I channeled the book. Again, it was right after I had accepted my task, <laughs> which I, at that time, didn't really know what was. And then it was like, and I had done my daily journaling. I would, I had already begun doing daily energy exercises from advice from my coach, including journaling and meditation. So meditating twice a day. Right? And at some point, the journaling started changing. The subjects, the, the words that came through started to change. And I told my coach this and I started reading out aloud. And she was like, but you know what you're doing now. You are channeling this book. This is your task. And I was like, okay. <laughs> hadn't, mm -hmm. hadn't seen that one coming, right? <laughs> um, but at that time, so many things fell into place for me from my past. And 
classes I had taken on, on, on free writing just for the fun of it and, and uh, stuff like this. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is what you prepared me for. So I, um, I, I embraced the challenge and the task given to me by spirit and said, okay, so I have promised that I will do everything you told me to do, so I will also do this. So for a period of about six months uh, in a row, I would write channel writings almost every day. So every morning I would get up, I would do my, my morning yoga to get my, my body, my physical body balanced. I would do a meditation and I would sit down directly from meditation, uh, put pen to paper. It was, it was written by hand originally, not on computer. It's wrong. You can't do that. I mean, at least I can't. I couldn't channel on a computer. And I would write whatever I was given. It, it was like a channeling, but instead of saying it out loud, I would put it down on paper, word by word. And literally sometimes like I had no idea what I was writing. And I would write some days, it would be 10 minutes, other times it would be 45 minutes. And then I would just put the papers away to one side and not look at them. And then after a while, there started to be a pattern uh, of, of subjects. And um, so I could start saying, okay, I could start begin to, I would start communicating more directly instead of just doing what they told me to do. I was like, okay, so what should I do with this? Is this connected to this text? This is, so we would have communications on which order the texts should appear in the book, for instance. And, and at some point it was like, okay, so now you're done. Uh, but for those six months, more or less, I was on this, I would say, strict protocol. When I look back at it, I was like, wow, did I really do that? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and I can do it again. So it was yeah, yoga, meditation, channeling, e being mainly vegetarian slash vegan, no alcohol, no coffee. Uh, and when I am on that, at that level where I follow all these um directions that I'm giving from spirit then my channel is as pure as possible and then this was the product the book came out of this I would say the most difficult part was probably to try and stay out of it leave my ego out of the work because you wanted to make mm -hmm. sense right you're I'm human right we're here in the human on the human journey right yeah so it's yeah. like but but this doesn't make sense or why should I and just like no Block it out. Just sit down, write those words, put it aside. Don't bother. Don't worry. And there was a specific um, chapter, uh, experience with a specific uh, chapter. It's not like whole chapters, right? It's small texts, pieces uh, about time, the specific one about time. And channeling that one, it was a very powerful presence in the room when I channeled those words. And I put it aside as, as I always did. And then later when I had to edit everything and, and transcribe it into the computer and stuff, I would reread this chapter on, on time. And I was like, oh, this is too complicated. People won't make sense of it. I mean, I was like, normal people can't make anything out of this. I have to add some explanations to it. So I opened the computer and I, because I already transcribed it into the, a document and I start like adding my what I thought was needed in order to make it more understandable and the whole room was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me a, yeah you're laughing yeah 
very powerful presence. And I was like, lifted my hands from the keyboard, like, oh, that's weird. And then I put my fingers to the keyboard again, and roar, this, this presence was there again. So, and, I, and then I was testing it. I'm, I'm sometimes perhaps a bit slow. It's like, okay, lift my hands, presence disappear, start writing again, presence back. So I was like, okay, guys, so I shouldn't add anything. And then I felt like they were smiling. And then I said, okay, so this chapter had to be exactly as it was. And it was not up to me to decide whether the reader would be able to understand it or mm -hmm. not. So have you edited the book at all or not? Not the channel parts. No, uh, the, the channel text, there's a, there's a division in the book, right? There is my story and there's a story about how this book And of course that has been edited, but the channel text have not been edited at okay. all. Just minor things like, um, because listening to ch the, the book is channeled in English as well. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes there would be words that I didn't know. I would write them down as, as well as I could. And then I could, I would spend some time asking friends with a with English as their first language. Mm -hmm. What could this word be? <laughs> Like okay. there were, there's another one talking about uh, how the heart is like a rose, the center of a rose. And it said something about crinkles. And, and I had, I had written crinkles with a G and I, and I, it didn't make any sense. And I asked this friend uh. of mine and I said, do you, do you know a word that would make sense in this connection that could, that would rhyme on crinkles or sound? And she was, no, we were like Pringles and, you know, we were into potato chips instead and it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, ah, okay. It's with a key. It's with a K. So yeah. it's crinkles instead of a crinkles. Yeah. And, and so, so the spelling was just wrong. Yes. The spelling could have been, but uh, it was very, very clearly that the more I was able to leave my ego out of it, the more grammatically perfect the text would be. So whenever I started listening or started thinking, what did they say? Is it in or on or off or whatever? Those little words could be mm. uh, wrong, yeah. but otherwise it was all there. Yes. But that's interesting because your native language is Danish. How come they channeled the book in English, not in your native language? Yeah, good question. Um, because it has to go out to a wider audience. Uh, that's the brief um, the brief reply answer to that. I did start writing in Danish. I did start out in Danish. And then like two weeks into the project, I have lunch with an old friend of mine. And I tell her about, so now this thing is happening in my life. And she looks at me and she says, oh, but I guess you are, you're writing it in English. And I was like, that's a weird thing to say. Why should I, why should I do it in English? And she goes like, well, I don't know. I just felt like telling you. <laughs> so I go home and I, next day I say, okay, guys. To my team so let's do it in English and the flow changed completely just like woof just flowing so freely so it, the book was meant to be in English because it has to reach a wider audience it is not just meant that I mean Denmark is such a tiny country right we're five million people it is it is meant the messages are meant to get out there and also Danish is sometimes um of course I love my native language <laughs> but it can be uh um, what we call that a poor language. We don't have that many words to describe stuff that really matters. We don't have as many words as you can find in English. Let's put it that way. So okay. more nuanced and detailed uh, descriptions okay. of, of more sensitive stuff. Uh, yeah. So uh, for, for instance, it, it can't be translated to Danish. It, 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 will, it will lose so much. Um, 
because I have been asked a number of times, could you translate the book to Danish? And I and I thought about it, and and I was like, and I asked Spirit, and like, no. And when I the few times I tried to sit down, I, I have translated few texts for my Danish audience for my for my social media posts and stuff like this. But as you know, everything has its own frequency. Words have their own imprint when you say them out loud, yes. right? And yes. so if I translate a direct channel text to a different language, the, the words have different power somehow. Yeah, I can't explain it precisely, but it's, it's just, it just doesn't feel right. And the, the texts of the book, um, as you said, it has a very uh, positive vibe, I think you said. You called it a, yeah. Yeah, well, that is the essence of my line of work and the essence of the masters that I channel or the, the spirit team that I am connected to. There is a focus on joy and happiness and abundance and love and light. We do not work with fear and darkness and, and these lower vibrations. And it is as if part of my job is to make people more aware of focusing, focusing on the bright side, focusing on the positive side of life. It doesn't mean that the other parts doesn't exist. But as you know, where you place your focus, that's where the, the energy grows. You know, that's where it flows. So when we consistently and consciously focus on the light instead of the darkness, then you will create and attract more light. And that is one of my purposes here. This is one of my life purposes, to create and enhance light. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I do have a question, a specific question about the book, but not the channeled part, about something that is in your introduction. So in the book, in the introduction part of the book, there is a quote of the channeled message received by one of your clients during a past life regression. And it says that that message was from Christ, one of the ascended masters who at some point talks about the difference between the soul's plans and the human response to something painful, such as death of a child. And at some point, the Christ said, coming from that session, you cannot change what has been decided. Things happen when they are supposed to. Now, I don't know whether this message came indeed from Christ or from someone else or 
from the mind of the client. I mean, I don't know that. But I personally disagree with this statement because I believe that we can change our destiny, including our soul blueprint to an extent, if we figure out how and learn how to do it. Now, that's my personal view and my personal opinion based, again, on my work and my insights. What I'm curious about is what are your thoughts about our ability to change something that is embedded in our soul's blueprint for this lifetime? Oh, that's a good question, huh? <laughs> so th- this is a very interesting subject. We could talk. Heavy duty. <laughs> we, we could talk on for hours. Just think <laughs> this one. Huh? Uh, f- first of all, I'll just say that in the therapy session, uh, I have called forth Christ because he is one of my masters that I work with on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, so this is channeled directly from him in the session to my client. Mm-hmm. But as I understand it, the whole subject of can you change the blueprint? Mm-hmm. Is there a fixed, it, yeah, is there a fixed destiny or is there, you know, you no, know, you just, you just have to deal with it. I believe that to some level, we are solely responsible on how our life will progress and how we will and to which extent we will be able to uh, fulfill our purpose of the life we're reincarnated into to some level. But I also believe, due to my personal experience and, and how my work has progressed until now, that there are some things that you can't change. I believe that we, when we are not human, when we are pure soul, pure essence, and we are somewhere in the universe preparing to be reborn as a human. And we agree somehow that, okay, I will go down. I will have a life as a human because there's something I need to learn. There is a a step on the ladder of my my soul's uh, consciousness uh, journey that I, I, I still need to learn how to take this next step on the ladder. And this subject can be whatever. It can be uh, something to do about personal power or to, you know, be a, be a good, not kill anybody. <laughs> no, it's different. Some, to some, it can be like last life, you had a lot of money and you were really not a very nice person. Now you have to go down and figure out, you know, the opposite. It can be all sorts of things. So this main theme of the life that we agree to, to have, to be reincarnated into, that main theme will not change. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that there probably are some uh, events connected to the main theme. Like if, if somebody has to learn that money is not important, like it is, the money should not be a subject of your whole life journey, then there will be some events on that life journey that is predestined to happen that will challenge this money issue. But then how we deal with it along the way, that is completely free will. That is up to us as humans and this soul human connection. How do I deal with this matter? And, and due to the free will that we are given when we are reborn as humans, anything can happen, right? 
because you you choose. We have the choice every time, every day. How do I choose to react to this? How do I choose to, you know, do this challenge? Um, so the main theme cannot be changed, but how I deal with it is completely up to me. Does it does this make sense in any way? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And in fact, it's in fact I share this view. Perhaps I take it one step further, and that is our ability to even change the theme. And the reason or what's driving me on this path is an insight that everything is negotiable with the spirit, even your soul blueprint. This is perhaps, you know, more advanced level of understanding, and I'm still learning because I only asked one question and I got one initial answer, which I covered off in my in one of my earlier podcasts on karma, free will and destiny, which was the whole podcast was channeled, all information was channeled. In that podcast, for the first time, I shared this information that I I received an insight. So I have the knowing, which I can't explain, that it is possible. It is not easy. It is not simple. It is not straightforward. But under certain circumstances, it can be negotiated and changed. Apparently, as we keep evolving as a human species, moving on from the third to the fourth and fifth dimensions, in terms of our level of understanding of life, thinning of the veils between the dimensions, we will be able to make those changes and have more control over our experiences as a soul on the third plane or the fourth plane. So this was sort of like, this is still coming up, but yes, everything is negotiable with the spirit, which I find really liberating and very exciting, (laughs) you know, as a concept, as an option. Okay, if I can do that, but yeah, it's not easy. No, I I love this, uh, what you're telling us right here. And and I know that feeling you describe, the knowledge just being inside you, right? (laughs) This this is such an amazing feeling when you you get this, right? Um, So what I think, first of all, yeah, we don't, there's so much we don't know, right? And depending on our level of consciousness, how much can our human brain comprehend? Where are we able to make, yes. to, to connect the dots, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I um, I feel listening to you describing this, and I did hear, I did listen to those podcasts uh, of yours, Karma, Karma, Destiny, mm-hmm. and what, yeah. We will, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, the soul, if the if the human being is at a consciousness level where it's possible to have this contact and this communi- communication at this high level of negotiating, then I absolutely believe uh, or agree with you. Probably, I, I haven't experienced this uh, yet, but I totally agree that that could be possible for the average human being which is which hasn't or who hasn't worked spiritually with themselves as you and i have for such a long period at this level um they will still be running around 
with their day to day, how do I just have a nice life? It's it's not to 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 sound patronizing, but it's like basic level being a human being, having a family, having a job, creating a life, you know, surviving wherever in which part of the world you're born in. They are still at the level where you have to to learn how to cope with these challenges, how to survive as a human being, um, and how to make my life better. So the I used to say that all souls are equal, but not souls are equally um, wise. Can you put it like that? In, in Danish, it sounds much easier. <laughs> so we're we're all equal, but some of us are at a different level in the educational system. Some are perhaps in first grade, others are at university level, right? But we will all get to university eventually when we're talking soul journeys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as, as a person who's in in primary school will not be able to understand the whatever is possible at the same level as a soul that is on university level. So souls that have been reincarnating so many times, thousands of years, the lessons that they have to learn, the purpose of their life are are much, um, I would, I would, I I totally believe and agree that it is possible to, to solve or, or fulfill your life purpose during that life. And then you can move on. Because if you have the knowledge to that level that you can communicate with spirit and negotiate the terms of the rest of your life, then you have done a lot of work already, right? And then I think, yes, then I I, I agree. I think that could be possible because they're like, okay, you did this. Now you can move on. What do you want to do now? It it, it makes it sound very easy like this, but for the the normal um, human being, who has not worked spiritually with themselves for a long time, I think it will be very difficult to reach that point of understanding, but for others uh, it could, yeah, I would follow you on that thought. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Yes, we're going into all sorts of rabbit holes, <laughs> which I love, by the way. I mean, I can just go and get lost in one of the yes. rabbit holes. Okay, before I ask you to try live channeling for us, let's talk about creativity as a form of channeling. I think that we can safely accept the concept that all creativity all that we create, that is bring into existence something out of nothingness, is effectively channeled or comes from the quantum field or quantum mind, the universal consciousness or the collective consciousness. And it is also an act of our divinity as co-creators. So when one has written an article or a book, for example, we can say broadly that it was channeled. Now, I do a lot of writing and I can make a distinction between the material channeled directly or downloaded, as we say, and my own creative efforts to draw in the information and ideas from the universal consciousness 
and put it down on paper or on a computer screen to bring it down to the physical plane. And the difference is this. When I receive an information download, the process is effortless for me. The words and ideas just flow through my mind, often very fast, so I need to quickly write them down. On the other hand, when I make a conscious decision to write about something, yes, I still get the ideas from the universal consciousness or quantum field, but it does require some effort on my part, perhaps some research, and it takes much longer. You know, I can mention the famous writer's block. <laughs> so this is a form of DYI, do-it-yourself creative process, as opposed to pure channeling. So these two forms of creating are quite distinctive for me, and I can tell them apart very easily. And I don't think that you would ever get a writer's block in direct channeling because the information just flows constantly uh, and very quickly from the spirit. Could you talk to this, uh, please? Because this is really a, a, an interesting concept in terms of the form of channeling. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. And I love how you um, connect creativity with spirituality and with channeling, because I think they're very close connected, very closely connected. If you have a, a, a creative a creative channel, uh, my experience, you also have some kind of spiritual channel. Uh, it is as if if they are not depending on each other, but they are connected to each other somehow. I think it's an issue or a question of are you able to let go of your ego? Because the minute we let go of the ego, we are connected to our higher self, to spirit, to whatever we call it, that which is the source, the main source, right? When we let go of ego, we're connected. So when we are in our ego sitting there, now I have to create this. I have to write a new chapter to my book, or I have to make a painting, or I have to make this design. Like I used to be a designer, right? We're, we're forcing like, and we are in our ego. The minute we are, oh, okay, I'm just centered. I'm just like balanced. I am in my heart. I'm open and I am connected. Then we, uh, then the flow will come. Um, that's that's how I feel the difference is. I don't know if that was actually what you asked me about, <laughs> but um, I think that my experience, uh, and this has come to me through my work uh, as a past life therapist, uh, talking to clients, experiencing what they have with them from their past. Um, okay, and this is different from what you're asking me, but it, it is my experience that older souls have a higher uh, level of creativity than younger souls. Now we are in average, like we, I'm generalizing right now. So souls that have been here for thousands of years are usually higher spiritual uh, evolved, and they will also have better access to a creative channel. It is as if when we have spent, we, we have done that work about learning how to be human and surviving. So now we can enjoy the gift of creativity, whether that be writing music or writing books or painting or, or whatever. It is as if we are 
So now you can enjoy this, the finer aspects. You don't have to just stay on the, on the survival basis. So when I look back at my own process as a, as a museum designer, it was definitely when I tried to force something, the, the blockage would come, right? Or the work wouldn't be very well. Uh, very well done but when I was able to enjoy it and be happy and play some music and had some nice flowers to look at and just be in the flow and then the channel would be open right and I, I, I definitely agree that expressing your creativity is a way of channeling not necessarily channeling the higher higher the highest ascended masters but channeling yeah. from your higher self channeling yeah. from something from that you you have access to right definitely because then they're like ah oh, now i connect now i can yes. see it now i can absolutely see it. thank you for that okay kristen now i would like to ask if you could bring someone from the spirit to join us and give us some messages. And I would like to combine it with my what would be my final question. And that is, what would be your key message or your key takeaway for the listeners in case the spirit would like to include it in the channeled message? And if not, then I will ask you, this question afterwards <laughs> yes let's so see what happens see to, to see what happens so yes i might ask you just to bring the microphone closer yeah, given maybe. that you'll be we're expecting you to be speaking with a softer voice so, so that we can hear it and and we will be able to see yeah. what happens um yeah, just over to you yes um take your time always interesting Mm, take your time. Blessed be, dearest one. I have been looking forward to this. The messages from spirit will always alter depending on the receiver. Some might be expecting advice on love. Others will be hoping for guidance on how to live a better life. Know this. All is well and just as expected. You are all doing a wonderful job being you. The importance of living a life as a human in this specific time on planet Earth cannot be exaggerated. There is so much to do. We are present, watching you, guiding you. But it is you, humans, who must do the work yourself. 
this has been initiated aeons of years ago, ancient times of the first kings when they walked the earth. The first kings saw all possibilities on earth and decided to withdraw and watch from afar. You might be wondering, have they left us alone? And the answer is no, you are never alone through any hardship. We are always present. Your job as a human is to find a way to stay centered in your heart, letting your light shine bright, staying out of ego and control. When you do this, all is well. When you trust and allow your light to shine bright, consciousness is raised. This work is not done by one single human. It is a collective task. The importance of raising the collective consciousness cannot be underestimated. It is the individual, human and soul, that has to work on its own behalf. Not of egoistic or selfish reasons, but you have to start with yourself. You cannot change the ways of the world by taking responsibility for other people. You have to start with yourself. This is an important lesson to learn. Take responsibility for your own light and your own heart, staying centered. Then you can expand your light to those surrounding you. The brighter the light, the higher the consciousness. We know that you humans have been challenged recently. And it's all part of the plan. You have to learn to change and accept that all is connected. All is equal. All is light. Stop blaming others. Stop becoming victims of circumstances. Instead, become the ruler of your own life in love and compassion. Know this. All will be well. And forgive those that find it hard to believe. 
be the example you're looking for. Be the light you need to see in the darkness. Now, Anna, since you are the live audience right now, um, there is, uh, they are asking if you, as a representative to the listener, of the listener, have a question to this or a comment. Yes, thank you. What is the most important message, the most important point of focus for the humanity at this point in time? Compassion. When you integrate compassion in all decisions and all levels of life, then there will be no more wars and no more hate. Compassion to yourself, compassion to your neighbors, compassion to your enemies. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, this, yeah, my laughing is that when they, they gave me this big smile, when they kind of like removed themselves, they're like, hey, they gave me a smile. So that made me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> that was why I ended up like this. Thank you. That was really beautiful. And the final message of compassion or the importance of compassion. I mean, I couldn't think of any greater message and more appropriate than that. So thank you. No, it's beautiful. I do that. Yeah, this last part about the compassion, I, I can, that is still with me. Uh, because mm -hmm. as I think we talked about earlier, I can't mm -hmm. remember word by word mm -hmm. what I just channeled. It's just the imprint uh, of it. And the compassion. Yes, I would like to add, of course, in the same spirit, and also from my personal point of view, mm -hmm. that when we are able to integrate compassion in every aspect of our life, things do change. And I would say the most important part is that you change personally. Mm. Because when we show ourselves compassion, yes, then we stop blaming, you know, for why didn't I do better? Why did I react like that? Why blah, 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 blah. You know, and then we can move ourselves from being victims in our own lives to being in charge because mm. we... We show our inner child love and compassion and acceptance on all levels. And I guess that should be my message. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Very beautiful and very appropriate <laughs> in yes. response to my question. So thank you. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. This has been a really beautiful conversation and very enlightening and I have got out of it quite a lot, and I do hope that our listeners have too. So thank you so much for your lovely presence and for your lovely wisdom. Yes. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna, for, for inviting me once again. I, I enjoyed our conversation as well. And there are so many. We could talk for hours. Huh? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> there are still so many rabbit holes are. awaiting, are. awaiting us to, to, to go into. Yeah. And, of course, I will include in the show notes 
uh, all the information and all the links to your online presence and information uh, about you so that people can find you. And yes, thank you so, so much. And thank you for inviting the spirit representatives <laughs> uh, to join our conversation with their beautiful message. So thank you. And I much appreciate it on behalf of our listeners. It was their pleasure, they say. <laughs> no, I, what, what, I, what I love is that they have a great sense of humor. And there were, at least my, my team, there was like giving me a little smile and a laugh and say, we enjoyed it. So, yes. So on behalf of them, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Namaste. Namaste. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.